prepare your ears, humans. Happy, sad, confused begins now. Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, Zasi Bates, from Deadpool and Joker to her new film, The Harder They Fall. Hey guys, Josh Harowitz here with another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused, and a new guest to the pod this week, the very talented Zasi Bates. She is, of course, someone you know and love from TV and film, and all happening in a very short period of time. In the last five years, Atlanta, Joker, Deadpool, just hitting it out of the park time and time again, and currently appearing in a really entertaining new Netflix film that has this amazing ensemble. It's Idris Elba, it's Jonathan Majors, it's Regina King, it's Delroy Lindo, and it's Zossie. It's called The Harder They Fall. This is, I was going to say it's kind of an old-fashioned Western. It is in some respects, but in many respects it's also a new take on this treasured old genre of film, maybe the most treasured American genre of film, the Western. Uh, James Samuels has uh, created a very stylish, cool Western um, populated by actors that sadly have been marginalized in Westerns. Uh, black actors traditionally not very present in the American Western. Well, this film is dominated by them in the best possible way, and it's the best slew of actors I can recall in a Western period. So, The Harder They Fall, highly recommended. Uh, Zossie's great. She has some really meaty stuff opposite none other than Regina King, and she is more than equal to the task. Um, a hearty recommendation for it. And it's on Netflix right now, so check it out. Um, this conversation is fantastic, but I do have a confession to make, guys. And it's kind of a it's kind of a cautionary tale for my fellow podcasters out there. Maybe don't drink and podcast. Now don't get too excited. This isn't me just drunkenly rambling through a conversation, but to set the scene, this was a little bit on the later side, and I was like, okay. And it was getting pushed back for a variety of reasons. And I was like, okay, I mean, I'm just going to pour myself a drink. I'm not going to blame the drink, but all I know is, for the first 15 minutes of this conversation, your beloved podcaster, Josh Horowitz, did not record. Yeah, it happens to the best of us, guys. And sadly, it's happened to me uh, twice, basically, in the last uh, couple of years. One was really not my fault at all. This one, I'll own. This was my fault. Luckily, Zossi couldn't have been cooler. So what you're going to hear is uh, we restarted the conversation, basically. We just started from scratch. You'll never hear. No one will ever hear. This is Zossi and I had a special 15 minutes of talking about her background. We'll save that for another time. What you're going to hear today is still a full-fledged, ginormous 45-minute juicy chat about her life and career. It just doesn't have the preamble that we discussed in this lost tape of Happy, Sad, Confused. So that's my confession to you. I apologize. If I sound a little flustered in the beginning of this conversation, it's because I am just beating myself up because I can't believe I simply didn't bother to hit record. Just hit record, guys. It's like Joseph Gordon-Levitt says, hit record. Anyway, the conversation that you will hear is fantastic. Uh, we talk about her participation in these ginormous, you know, superhero franchises. I had I had a very memorable chat with Zossie a couple years ago before Joker came out, and we reference it in this. And <laughs> I hadn't had a chance to talk to her, like kind of the post mortem on it. Um, basically, it was Sundance like, a couple years ago. 
Joker was it was going to come out in a few months, and she was remarkably candid about the production of, of Joker, basically saying how they were rewriting like every single day. That got picked up everywhere. There was so much fascination with what Joker was going to be. Um, so it was kind of fun for me to talk to her about it now and realize that, yeah, she got a little shit for it. <laughs> she definitely remembers that conversation and what happened with it. But now we can have a good laugh about it because the Joker made, I think, like a billion dollars and got a slew of Oscars. So not, not a big deal in the end. Um, anyway, uh, Zossie has had a fascinating life. She split her childhood between my beloved New York City and Germany. Um, and up until a few years ago was, you know, struggling like many of us. Uh, we're just getting started. Um, uh, waiting tables in New York before Atlanta came around, before that, that, that amazing series from Donald Glover came about. So life has certainly changed a lot for her in recent years, and I was happy to detail it all uh, with her on this conversation. Um, plus, she does go deep on her favorite comfort movie, which is a, a stone-cold classic, Breakfast at Tiffany's, another solid choice from a great guest. Okay, other stuff to mention. My Kristen Stewart conversation is up and about in the, in the, in the, I was going to say the metaverse, but I don't want to give credit to, um, to, <laughs> to Mark Zuckerberg's newly rebranded Facebook. It's on YouTube. It's on the social medias. Um, a great chat with Kristen uh, to catch up about Spencer, a film that is going to definitely be one of my favorites of 2021 and could land her an Oscar. Anyway, it's, uh, I jokingly said to Kristen it was our 500th conversation. Maybe not that, but maybe our 100th. I don't know. We've talked a lot. So that's a great chat. That's on MTV News' YouTube page. Uh, if you check out my social media, I've sent it out, so you'll be able to see it there. Um, what else? What else? We're getting closer. I know you guys are, some of you guys are very uh, excited for the Sam Hewen uh, Comedy Central sketch that I taped, that I've teased. We're getting there. It's, it's, it's uh, being edited. I've seen cuts of it. It's super funny. We're just getting it right and getting it ready to be delivered to you in the right, in the right uh, time frame, which is very soon. So patience on that. Um, some really cool conversations coming up on the podcast. That's that cool time of year when really good movies are coming out and really great guests are available. So I am psyched about what is to come in the last few weeks of the year that was 20. 21. Okay, I guess we might as well just get to the main event, right, guys? This is my conversation with the lovely and talented uh, Zossie Bates. Uh, yeah, you're going to hear Josh a little, a little off his game for the first minute because, damn it, hit that record button, guys. Always learn from me. Uh, here's me and Zossie. For those listening to the podcast, this is take two with Zossie Bates. Take two. Yeah, we didn't record, but that's all good. Now we're going to, you know, freshen now it up. Now we're going to do it for real. I've got my Negroni. So the, obviously this is the, here's the thing. That's, that's the problem. one podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's so sad. We, it was gold too. You delivered gold, but let's just dive right in. You're Great, back yeah. here in New York where you belong. Yes. Uh, how about this? Let's start with the harder they fall then this time, just to keep it to me. Okay, sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you're in this awesome new movie, um, yes. which I'm just so curious, like how something like this reads on the page when you receive <laughs> it, like, because there's so much style dripping off of the screen in this, mm -hmm. the music, the, the visual scheme of things, the split screens at times, like, is that all there? 
like how much of the movie that you see now was in the script that was delivered to you for The Harder They Fall? Uh, well, you know, in a way, I guess all movie making is like, you know, you get some stuff in the script, but then the final product is always kind of a little bit of a mystery that reveals itself to you. Um, but uh, the, the I think a lot of the style of The Harder They Fall was definitely written into the script, which is also um, an element that drew me to the film. James, who's our director, uh, when I spoke with him after they approached me for Stagecoach Mary, I felt very clear, or it was very clear to me that he had a very specific vision, kind of how he wanted to shift the narrative around um, around the Western and and how it's going to look and sound. And particularly, you know, he's he he works very closely with Jay-Z and sort of all of the music ventures. And so James is an incredibly musical person. And so a lot of um, I think he wrote almost all of the songs or co-wrote at least almost all of the songs in the soundtrack and in the film. And he also wrote a lot of that into the script already. So right. you can kind of feel that and see that that was a part of it. And while we were shooting, he, you know, he plays guitar. And so when rehearsals, he would be playing sort of mood music as we were going through stuff. And that's unusual. You don't usually get that. Um, and then in between takes, we we're often playing music and stuff and, you know, certain things as we were shooting it, I was aware, like this was going to be in a split screen situation, you know, where they were like, oh, this is what we're getting this reaction so that we can like line them up and do this, blah, blah, right. blah. So yes, to a degree, but then, you know, once it's all kind of puzzled together, it, it, it becomes something new and it becomes, you know, the script is just the blueprint for something much bigger and more yeah. vibrant. And so I had an idea, but of course, um, seeing it and feeling it and hearing it, it was, it was definitely a different experience. Um, but I, I liked that it was trying something different. And uh, so I, I wanted to kind of be a part of that. Yeah. I mean, I always say I like the big, big swings, whether they, whether they connect yeah. or not, at least try for something. And this one does actually uh, both tries for it and it connects. Um, you're also in the company of this insane, insane group of actors. Like, Every, you know, if you're not into one, wait two minutes. Someone else amazing is going to pop up yeah. on screen. <laughs> like, I, and you should be into all of them from, from Jonathan Majors to Idris to Regina. Um, everyone is in Delroy Lindo, of course. Yeah. Um, is, it, is it more intimidating to be on horseback or play a scene opposite Regina King and <laughs> listen to like a monologue from Regina? I think the, I think acting alongside somebody, you know, it's pretty nerve wracking if you don't have like a good rapport, you know, because right. I feel like um, honestly, everybody on this set was just so lovely. And particularly, you know, I feel like Regina and I really created this like big sister, little sister sort of bond. And, um, you know, as we were also working through our fight scene, you know, her and I really sort of spearheaded the rehearsal process on that. There was just a lot going on on set, a lot of COVID. Blah, blah, blah. And so yeah, yeah. we were kind of taking the charge on like making sure that scene would work out. And, um, and that really sort of, I don't know, it was a really great bonding experience. And then everybody on set is just really great people. And so that that element of, of sort of the fear, I think, got chased out pretty quickly. I will say, though, in terms of the horseback riding, I did horseback ride sometimes as a kid. Not really, ne never like I never took classes, but 
I would visit these farms and they had, it was, they'd be like dairy farms and stuff and they had horses and they would just like throw the kids on them. And, you know, and so I, I had that kind of thing already. So I was like, oh, I know to do this. So you're not Um, the actor that puts on the resume and lies about like, oh yeah, I can, I no, that, that was and- actually on my resume. And it, yeah, it was not a lie. I was always too scared to lie about stuff like that. <laughs> I can um, that. Is, is it, is it, is it, you mentioned, uh, we mentioned the music. Is it cool or lame to listen to a soundtrack from your own movie? <laughs> Being that I listened to it yesterday, I think it's really cool. <laughs> cool. <It's> cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's out on Spotify if you want to listen to it. It's great. A really great mix of people. Jay-Z, Lauren Hill, Barrington Levy, just great group. Yeah, when when in doubt about how to pick projects, just associate yourself with cool people. I think the thing is, it's it's okay to listen to the soundtrack. It might be lame to watch your movie over and over and over again. Right. And I'm not (laughs) shading anyone who does that, but I'm usually a one and done kind of person. But, you know, listen, maybe one day I'll meet my, you know, my match and just be like, wow, I did a great job. I'm not going to catch you on the on the plane, just tearing up watching your performance in in Deadpool 2. No, you know, I always love when people watch it, though, and I like walk by them in the aisle and I'm like, "Mm." (laughs) It is funny to have like multiple movies on airplanes or something. And oh, then yeah. you're like, I see myself. But anyway, <laughs> why don't we talk about that? Let's move on. <laughs> well, let's know more about that. Um, I mean, it strikes me, you know, we haven't had this kind of like long form chat much or at all, rather. I've talked to you a couple of times in the last few years. Yeah. And it's really only been a few years for you to be in these kind of high profile uh, projects. Does it feel like, I mean, it's basically been five years, essentially, I think, since yeah. you were cast in Atlanta, right? Yes, so, yes. Does it feel like it happened quickly or did it feel like you were like toiling forever waiting for something like Atlanta to come around? I feel like it happened very quickly. Um, I booked my agent and my first agent, and I got really lucky with who I ended up with, Um, in September of 2014, I had, and then I booked the pilot of Atlanta in June of 2015. And after that was picked up for, um, and that whole time I was working, like I had a day job and I was working full time around the time I booked the pilot, I was able I had done another film and I had to quit my job in order to do the film and I was like well like you know let's see I'm gonna do this for the next month and then we'll see what happens after like you know I was like I yeah I wanted to do the movie and I couldn't be at my job and so I sort of took that leap and um honestly was fully expecting to have to go back to um serving uh and and then but in the meantime we shot the pilot I booked the pilot while I was shooting that movie mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that gave me a little bit more buffer because then I got paid for the pilot and then when the pilot got picked up to series that was starting top of 2016 and so that buffered me out and then since then it's been kind of a it's been a go so I will say I I did feel like it was all very very fast and I felt I think emotionally definitely unprepared Sorry, that's me. Let me put that oh, on. good. Disturb. Um, and felt emotionally definitely unprepared, but then also incredibly f- like 
fortunate and lucky and I don't know, kind of in awe of how quickly everything unfolded. Um, and yeah, so I do feel like, you know, I definitely had my time where I was running around and, and, and working multiple jobs and doing short films and everything for free. And, you know, carrying around multiple outfits with me and doing my makeup on the train. And like, you like, I, you know, I, was definitely, I had that experience, but um, I graduated from that very, very quickly. And initially I, I had wished for like a longer time, but now, I, you know, I'm really glad that I had the experience I've had. And uh, I think ha have also been able to like become more comfortable in where I am right now in my work. And um you know, doubting less my like place in the industry. I think I used to have really, really big like imposter uh, syndrome in the, in the yeah. yeah, and of course I still do, but I, you know, I think it also happens with like getting older a little bit. You know, I just turned thirty, and I think it's just like a general sense of like just a little bit more confidence as I get older, and and learning how to communicate, and I also feel like. Um, I don't know, you know, as people also ask me to work with them again, then I'm like, oh, okay, maybe it was a good experience for them, you know? And I think yeah, I need yeah. time to like get through those projects and be like, do they hate me? Do they not hate me? And I, I you know, I just didn't really know. And, and now it's just starting where I'm like, oh, okay, people do enjoy working with me and they want to work with me again. And so I couldn't have let them down that badly. And I probably, I shouldn't need that external validation, but I think all of us do to a degree want it. Sure. <laughs> um, maybe not everybody, but uh, yeah. So I'm working on that. And I think I, I'm better than I was. Um, but you know, I've still always got room to grow always. Did you get the, like, when you get Atlanta, did you get like the momentous, like, I'm quitting my job, my final kind of like day job moment, like, go into the restaurant and be like, I just booked this awesome show with Donald Glover. Uh, <laughs> no, because at that point I had already quit. So um, I had quit for this movie I did called Wolves um, by, right. by Bart Freundlich. And um, that was actually, yeah, quitting was sort of, I, I had tried to postpone. I tried to be like, can I take a month? Like I cannot do both at the same time. And they were yeah. like, not happy about that and so I was like fine I guess I gotta go um they were actually very very bitter about me leaving but I was like so we named I, the restaurant which restaurant was it uh I don't want to name the restaurant <laughs> the restaurant was, was really good food you were so you were at I think that, I don't think it's around anymore but I remember uh, enjoying Cafe Mogador back in the day yeah Cafe Mogador is still around is it not is it still around I thought it was gone oh my god is it gone Oh, no, I, I don't think it's did gone. Did I just name it? Okay, never mind. Okay. I don't think it's gone. I've worked at multiple places, by the okay. way. So I'm okay. not confirming or denying anything. Um, <laughs> you be welcome in all places. In <laughs> um, Cafe Mogador, um, I think it's still there. I think my friend ate there like a week ago. Oh, okay. But, um, to great be food if you ever want like Moroccan sort of right. stuff. Um, but I, yeah, I quit and they, yeah, they were very bitter about me leaving. And, um, but I left cause I was like, this is what I want to be doing. And, you know, if I need another job, I'll just 
apply and be barista somewhere else or whatever. So, um, yeah, so I, I did that and I didn't really know what was going to happen after, <laughs> but in the meantime, I was still auditioning and then I, I got the pilot and that got me another check, as I said. And so, yeah. I, and, and when I booked the show, obviously, you know, I was very excited about the like Donald Glover, childish Gambino aspect, but none of us knew it was gonna oh, you be never know. How can you? Yeah. Yeah. And also, you know, it was also like just the pilot, right? So it wasn't, it hadn't been ordered to series yet. I don't think I was aware how many pilots don't make it. Like I was lucky the first pilot I booked made it. Like that's really lucky. And, um, you know, I don't know. It was a reason I, I booked Domino. Like I do often feel like I've had a very, I don't know how else to say this, but I, always growing up, I just always felt like things were going to work out. And I don't know if it's maybe because I'm kind of like, I feel like I have a loose grip on things. Like I'm sort of very kind of like flighty and like not really committal. And I, I feel like I am good in like switching of plans and changing things and in like unsteady kind of situations. And so I feel like I, I don't know. I've always felt like I kind of, and I don't want to jinx anything, but I always felt like no matter what happened, I always ended up landing on my feet. And um, I wonder if that also applies to like the audition process. Like, so when you walk into an audition, even mm -hmm. if it means a lot to you, do you kind of like, I wonder if that translates as like, not like I don't give a fuck, but like, yeah. I kind of, I'm, I'll be okay. If I don't get this, I'll be okay. I do and feel I that way. Confidence. I I actually really love, I love auditioning, actually. I was, that was almost, which I'm glad I did. I really enjoyed like um, going into a room and feeling like I'm going to just show them what I'm going to do. And just kind of, I just sort of would just like ball to the wall, just like do something and then leave and be like, all right. And after every audition, I would, I would like buy myself a little treat or something. Like I was always very like, I'm just going to, show them and then I'm going to leave and that'll be what it was. And I, and I felt very um, free in that versus then when I actually booked stuff, I actually was like, Oh my God, like, what did I do? Why do I have to replicate? You know, right, it right. was a mistake. Then I would kind of get an overdrive, but, um, and, you know, maybe I, I can say this because I, um, um, I didn't spend, I think as long of a time as some other people really, you know, um, pushing for something. My door opened pretty early in, in my career. And I think I would probably feel differently about that had I had to, um, had I, had I needed to spend more, more time, um, kind of like really grinding in that or hustling in that way, I guess. Um, so yeah. What, what happened in the audition room at for Deadpool too, that just like, cause I mean, you were going up against reportedly like really big names. I don't know if you were aware of that at the time or not. You obviously knew this was a high profile film and a high profile role. Yes. That I, you know, I definitely, it was a mix of definitely like, definitely felt nervous. Um, but then I also felt like, listen, I'm going to just do what I can do. And that's what, that's all I can do. And, um, you know, I was loosely aware. They don't always share who, you know, I was going against. I knew like one or two names. Um, and um, 
but I figured I was like, I guess, you know, there's a reason, I guess they're calling me as well. I don't know. I, um, at that point, Atlanta had already come out. And so I felt like, um, I felt like, okay, like I've had one thing that's really sort of worked out, um, for me in terms of work. And I, I, I don't know, I felt kind of like, I don't know. I felt kind of like, all right, like I, I did something great. Like mm-hmm. other things are, are, are like, like icing or cherry on the Sunday, you know? And so I think maybe that, I don't know if, I don't, I don't, I don't really know, but um, I did. So I met with, I met with David Leach and Ryan, we just had a meeting and it was a really lovely meeting. Um, and then I read for it and just kind of, again, I think I just, I walked into the room. I was like, I'm just going to go for it. And I went for it. But then I also like, I'm also somebody, if I'm in an audition and I've always been this way, if I'm like, if, if, if I feel like I did a bad job, I'm like, I'm doing it again. And I just, I'm like, I, I just tell them, I'm, I don't know. I go with, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, all right. I didn't like that. I'm going to do it again. And I remember doing that in Deadpool. I think I asked like three or four times and they're like, I think it's okay. <laughs> and I was like, all right. Like, so I don't know. Like, other actors to talk to. So we're on a stage yeah. here. <laughs> and I remember leaving and being like, all right, like, I guess, you know, hopefully that'll work out. And if not, then not. Or even like in Joker, that was a multiple audition thing where I originally, there was like a lot of stuff going on. And I originally actually didn't book the role. And then I was like, I really want this. And so I self-taped and sent it again. And I, so I kind of was like, I don't know what that says about me, but um, <laughs> I, I can't have it now. I really want it. Really yeah. want it. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, do you, know. Do you, I don't know if you recall this. I chatted with you. I think it was at Sundance and Joker hadn't come out yet. And your comments were very honest about the process and they kind of circulated everywhere. It was kind of, you were, oh, you were yeah. basically, do you remember this? You were basically saying, I do remember was, that there was some rewriting and, and you've been on, yeah. this, this happens. I don't know yeah. if you got into trouble about that. I apologize if you did. Uh, but. <laughs> yeah, there were some conversations. <laughs> um, I remember, I remember sure. thinking as you were saying, and I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. I, <laughs> she's going trouble. <laughs> um, you know, there were some conversations, but it all got smoothed out. And I think in the end, you know, I think because it all worked out that it became, I think, a larger part of the narrative. But again, I think people... I don't know if people really realize things get rewritten constantly. It's like a very normal thing to be day of rewriting stuff. Like that's happened to me, I would say, in every project I've worked on. So I think in the moment I didn't really realize what that implication could be to people that it didn't work, you know? And um, I think also, honestly, I think it also came in a, in a, the stuff we were rewriting, it didn't feel like this isn't working. Nothing is working. We have to change it. It was more like they were discovering more and more who Arthur Fleck was and that shifted who my character was to him. And so they just wanted to like, I think as they were like getting deeper into it, they were just discovering more. And so I don't know, to me, I think it felt like, Oh, cool. Like this is just like a cool shift 
But of course, I think as an outsider, you know, you wouldn't necessarily. But yes, that was. Uh, <laughs> I remember. I remember when that aired. <laughs> Well, yeah, I think, and there's also the thing, like, and I think people are more aware of this now. It's like every big studio film, particularly like these superhero films, like now they build in the reshoots, the additional photography. Back yeah, in the day, it was a like, lot of them. Oh, like this is like, this, everything's fucked up. But like, mm-hmm. no, every Star Wars movie, every Marvel movie, it's like, nope. They all do that. Additional photography. Yeah, exactly. Particularly after like test audiences and you don't, you know, you don't, you know, you, again, like a script is a blueprint and then you, you see it all together and suddenly you're like, oh, this house actually should have a chimney on it too. You know, and you didn't (laughs) notice that in the drawing of it, but when it's standing 3d in front of you, you're like, oh, maybe you could use another window. And like, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a hard thing to just translate what is just black and white on paper to this completely moving, crazy, wild contraption and then, yeah, you watch it back and you're like, oh, you know, this and that can shift. So, yeah, reshoots are particularly in big films is definitely a thing. I, I mean, I don't want this to come off as like a backhanded compliment, but like I feel like a lot of people felt this about Joker in that like it exceeded all of our like mm. Todd didn't have that on his resume. Todd Phillips, I, 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 I've known Todd for a while and he's done some great work, but like just how fully realized that what was and committed to that kind of path yeah uh, and how well executed it was i know some people had quibbles with it in different ways but like he did he did what he set out to do and that's i have to say i um 10 pages into the script when i first got it i was like i must do this film i had zero i don't know reading the script I, i was like I was like, he knows exactly what he's doing. And I felt so confident. And I remember, or I don't know, the movie just honestly meant a lot to me. And obviously, obviously it's not about my character or anything. And my role is rather small in the film, but the, I think the journey of Arthur and sort of the other implications around society and sort of support and what that means. Like I, um, it just really resonated with me, particularly at the time. Not that Arthur resonates with me, but like, you know, just kind of the thematics I just, I just found to be interesting. And, um, and, and I remember getting on social media, some people being like, this is going to not work, blah, blah. And I remember there was one person, I don't usually really comment, but one person was like, I really think you're going to like it. And then I remember when the movie came out, they wrote me back and they said, I remember when you said you were, I, I was going to like it. And I saw it and you were right. I liked it. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh. Um, and I, you know, I just felt, you know, I, I, everything to me was there on the page. And um, I found generally, if you have a really strong script, it works out. Yeah. Um, and if you don't have a really strong script, I found, it doesn't really work out. And that has been, I think, definitely my, like, I definitely feel very, I like to attach myself to projects that I feel like now where I'm like really, really confident in the script or, you know, whatever is being sort of tried for. Um, Because yeah, it's the, again, it's a skeleton for everything and you need the strong foundation. The, the, the few times I've had the honor of talking to Denzel Washington, the most oft-repeated 
phrase he always gives in a conversation with me and others when you're talking about any potential project is if it ain't on the page, it ain't on the stage. And he's just that like- That is so true. And I think it takes a while to realize that because you're always like, oh, you know, but this person's working da, da, da. If it's not on the page, it really, where else is it going to come from? You yeah. know, like you really do need that. Um, and I also feel like sometimes I'll be like, oh, we'll work on it. And then it doesn't usually happen or I don't know, you know, but, um, you know, that being said, that's not always the case. So like where, where, examples where that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. But they're few and far between. So uh, uh, where are you at in terms of, I know you're pestered with these kind of questions all the time, but I'm just mm-hmm. curious, like the future for Domino, a potential future in another Joker film, are you hearing rumblings on either front lately? Or are you kind of just like, if it if either happens, I'm around, but you know where to find me? Or um, Yeah, I'd say more of that. So I don't, um, I don't know if anything's happening or not, but I would absolutely, um, absolutely, if, if, sequels for anything um or domino and joker specifically um i would love to revive domino and i would love to revive sophie so um yes call me call me if you have thoughts i am around and i am currently unemployed so <laughs> call me <laughs> Uh, should we talk some comfort movies as you know i've been asking folks for comfort movies i think it's very it's a telling question to ask and i love talking about all the good movies and uh the one i wanted to talk about if you're cool with the one that you mentioned hasn't been brought up yet but it's a stone cold classic you chose breakfast at tiffany's i did (laughs) um i think i uh, there was a time sort of in high school and through college, I just watched that movie a lot. Um, I think it partially has to do with, you know, I think everybody owned like a, you know, a rotation of DVDs and that was one of them. <laughs> um, but I think I felt very connected to the Holly Golightly character. Again, I think I mentioned before, I'm kind of this, emotionally this kind of like I think I can be kind of non-committal very if you're not in front of me very sort of out of sight out of mind like I feel like I'm very present with people who are here uh, but I'm like all over the place with my phone and you know I'm always like gosh like, why don't I hang out with these friends more like I love them so much and then as soon as I'm gone I'm like oh like I don't know I'm just sort of where I'm at and feeling I think at the time I felt very like my freedom and my untethered self was what I valued the most um, and not feeling bound by people, not feeling bound. Yeah. Bound by anything. I, I still identify a lot with that and, and wanting to just be in the world and see the world and, and have no one, box me in, I guess, as she says. Um, and I just really like, I think her character just, I just really resonated with her. And I think, you know, I also like a young woman who I love to dress up and I loved to play roles. And I felt like that's who she was as well. Um, you know, pretending to kind of be these different people trying to, trying uh, you know, to kind of keep these different identities separate. And I think I ha- sometimes have had this as well, where like, 
growing up, I didn't really so much have like a big group of friends. I was always like at this table, this table, just sort of all over kind of like a floater. And I I didn't really like integrating my family into my friends or like my relationships into my family. Like, I just felt like I just, I was kind of just like, I could be all these different people in a way. Um, And, uh, and I feel like Holly was like that. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. And the ending, for some reason, I just always felt so moved by it. (laughs) Um, I'd always cry every time. And I just thinking of it now, like her fear, her like utter fear to be boxed and to realize that love shouldn't be that, Um, you know, obviously it's like, it's simplified in the film and obviously there's, you know, issues with like the Mr. Yunioshi character and stuff like that, which, you know, was very apparent to me. Um, even as I watched it when I I was younger and was cringy, but I think I really focused in on the Audrey Hepburn and, um, her sort of like ethereal spirit and me, I think, uh, finding, finding myself in that and, and, um, yeah. So yeah, I did. I love, I loved breakfast at Tiffany's very much. It's an interesting film in that it like, I feel like it transcends like whether you, I feel like a lot of people haven't even seen the movie, but know, feel like they know the movie or they at least know that character. Mm. They know the iconic imagery. They know, they know Moon River. Um, yeah, exactly. Moon River. And it's also, it's this, cl- this New York story, uh, you know, which obviously uh, I identified with. I'm also very, very like into I love period pieces. The other movie I suggested was Pride and Prejudice, which I love. Um, And I think also a part of me growing up, I think I felt like, interesting. I think I can speak more to this on like, if I was talking about Pride and Prejudice really, but like feeling like, oh, you know, black actors aren't really in those stories. And so I feel like I was sort of like obsessed with them because it was my act. I don't know. It was my only access point to them. I don't know why, but I always felt like it wasn't God. available to you as a, even yeah. As a and it's like that made it that much more seductive or. Yeah. Kind of, anyway. Yeah. So I'm actually really glad with how that's changing now. Like it makes me euphoric, honestly, because I, you know, I've been sort of developing some stuff um, with me, my partner, David, we've been like writing and putting stuff together and like, it's all like period stuff that I'm just, you know, I just find it fascinating and how people move and speak differently and uh, uh, the dress up element. And also, I don't know, I just find it interesting. And um, I think there was that element too, of the, like the breakfast at Tiffany's, like this old, beautiful, I don't know, nostalgic version of New York, I guess, in a way (laughs) what it was versus what it is now. Well, whatever, but um, yeah, it's also interesting how different the book is actually from the movie as well, which I don't think a lot of people realize um, that it um, it's from the, the Truman isn't... Capote novella. Yeah, for those who exactly. Don't know it's, mm-hmm. it's a Truman Capote story and the the lead character who's like speak, who it's from the more the um, the man, the man's point of view. And um, he 
if I'm not mistaken, it's, it's, it's implied that he's also gay and, um, they weren't lovers, but there was like love. And it was this very interesting, very different, um, take. I haven't read the, I, I read the book once a long time ago, so I don't quite remember the details because they're so different. Um, but, um, yeah, I remember finding that really interesting as well. Um, you, yes. you were you were talking about developing stuff, and I'm curious. I mean, the stuff you were just talking about harkens back to, frankly, the harder they fall, which was like part of the power of seeing uh, a story like this is we haven't seen black actors, we haven't seen women mm -hmm. get like the, these kinds of roles in this like one of the most iconic, important genres of film, and yeah. that in and of itself is like there's a power to like seeing something on screen that you're like, oh wait, I've never even. It's not even, I've never seen this. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I mean, it's happening over and over again. It's, it's a great feeling. Like it's happening. I can, I can think of a lot of examples in recent years of like different variations on that same theme. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like it's emboldening you and exciting you as you kind of develop your own material. Yeah, yes. it definitely is. I'm definitely feeling very um, inspired by that. And also I think I would have done it anyway. And now I'm like, oh, okay. Like there's an audience for it. There's an audience. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, that was sort of my, um, I was already like, um, very in, in, yeah, I was already into that. Like, I don't know. I was really into like costume construction. Like I was very into this and maybe it's also like, it's different in theater too. Right. Like there, I think theater is a little bit more, um, there's more blind casting element yep. to theater than there is um, in film and television. And so I think, you know, and especially if you're doing like, I never have actually, I haven't actually ever done theater professionally and, you know, I've only done like community theater in my high school. And so that is a very different sort of experience in terms of like who's getting cast as what. And so I feel like that, you know, itch was getting scratched in that way. And um, of doing things of like different time periods and, you know, Shakespearean and whatnot. And, um, and so I think I was already like, if I make stuff, that's what I'm going to lean yeah. into. Um, and luckily I guess I'm not the only one. And so, uh, I, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy to see it. Meanwhile, um, on a different side of the coin of different kinds of projects, you have uh, reteamed with David Leach, sounds like. Uh, yeah, Bullet Train. <laughs> Bullet Train sounds, sounds bananas. Like, just like from, I, I haven't seen a, a, like an image and anything, but just from the mm -hmm. cast list and what I know, sounds like it's going to be pretty impressive. Um, what can you say about? Be, I don't know what I can say. But I think it'll be a good, fun ride for lack of a better <laughs> pun. <laughs> um, and Brian Tyree Henry's in it as well, who, nice. um, you know, it was in Atlanta and he, you know, he's just so talented and Brad's so talented. Just like, a, yeah, great group. It was also nice because the whole, a good part of the crew was the same crew as Deadpool. And so going to set, I was like, oh my gosh, hi, hi. And that felt really nice. Um, and you Record, know, she's just dropping Brad's name, not no last name needed. She's just dropping Brad like it's no big thing. He's in the movie. Um, um, and you know, I think, yeah, that was just fun. That was like a fun thing for me to hop in on. And um, it was nice to do something like 
for laughs and a good time. And um, yeah, I hope people enjoy it. I haven't seen anything or nothing at all. So, um, but yes, I don't even know. I don't know when that comes out either. I'm sure they're figuring it all out. <laughs> what, do, what do you, what do you, what do you watch? Like, is it a mixed bag? Like, are you going highbrow, lowbrow, reality, drama, like all over the place? Or is it, is it all kind of in one lane? Um, I think, I think, uh, I do, okay. I, I would say in my like TV and movie consumption, I feel like I, I like, um, I don't know, like I love a good drama, <laughs> you know, I, um, stuff like succession and, um, I, what have I been watching? I don't even know what I've been watching. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Don't worry. This is the question that stumps me the most. I'm like, I'm paid to watch things and I'm like, I, I can't answer you. I don't I know I, it's, like, we, it's weird. Like, I'm like, what am I watching? I, I like Rick and Morty too. Nice. <laughs> um, I will say though, I think I watch more movies than I do TV. Um, um, I really want to watch The Last Duel. Um, Good. Yeah. I, I want to see um, French Dispatch. Um, what else have I seen? I don't know. But I will say also like, I feel like maybe I'm like highbrow, I guess in that way, maybe like basic, not basic but like tv and film like i don't besides like great british breakoff i don't really watch that much reality um television um but i i watch a lot of youtube so i don't know you know if that's like that's my like turn my head off at night like i don't if i'm tired or something i don't i don't like to watch like a tv show yeah. you know i just want to watch something that just turns my brain off and and then i'm i kind of like get into YouTube holes. So that's my, I guess my, my lowbrow stuff. <laughs> what's the, what's the last, can you think about YouTube rabbit hole you've fallen down recently? Um, gosh, well, I'm not going to reveal all of this. <laughs> <laughs> She's trying um, to maintain her cool demeanor, right? <laughs> um, I have a brand to upkeep here. <laughs> no, no, I'm not trying to brand anything, but, um, what do I watch? I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm very like, ASMR-y. Um, oh, yeah. I'm really into like, it, this is not even that embarrassing. It's not the most embarrassing thing I, I engage in on YouTube, but I like like ASMR cooking stuff. So um, like things that are like no music and just like the sounds of like the whisk hitting the bowl and like mm -hmm. cracking eggs and uh, <laughs> that I find really satisfying. Uh, and uh, particularly if I'm like wanting to go to sleep, I'm I, I want to go, I want to fall asleep. I watch a lot of cooking stuff, cooking, baking. I've been really into like traditional Chinese cooking, <laughs> nice. like this movement. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. Uh, oh, I love it. I love moving it. on. <laughs> You're also, okay. I will give you on, on, on the, on the more like kind of contributing to society level. I want to give you props. Cause I know you uh, you've made an effort to kind of like be involved in the, in the climate calamity that we're, facing in our world my wife works for the nrdc and i know you've done some work oh she does oh cool does. So i love something, that something close to close to our should be all our hearts considering it's oh i don't know just the world at stake the future of our yeah. planet you haven't had uh, a 
baby recently, have you? I'm like, no. do I know your wife? No. Okay. I, I, Never do mind. Have, I, do, I do have a baby dog, which is basically uh, a baby. It yes. is. <laughs> yeah, basically is. Did you grow up though, in terms of like uh, either of your parents or both your parents in terms of like a, a socially, politically active household or did, uh, did you kind of find that on your own as you kind of, I don't know, um, your life? Huh. I would say my parents were socially and politically active in a way that like, I think to a degree, like the average person is, um, you know, I would say more my mom than my dad. Like I remember as a child, we went to like the women's March in Washington and, you know, she was always very, um, she worked in sort of like the social work space. And so she was very about like empowerment of women and, um, and, and black women and um, girls and sort of, and did programming around that also did programming for sort of young men and their rehabilitation. So like kind of like in the home and in the, and in like women's um, rights, I would say my mom was active. Um, and, you know, I, I think obviously had political points of views and advocated here and there, but it wasn't um, like, I don't know, I wasn't, um, I would always go with her and vote and stuff like that. But I feel like that's yeah. like normal, you know, yeah. I don't think it, it's anything outside of sort of an ordinary experience. And um, I wouldn't vote with my dad because he's not a citizen. Um, and he was, I think, a little bit more... Um, removed also from like us politics i suppose and stuff like that um but i will say i think both of my parents you know i was always very interested and i was always aware of like the the climate and conserving water and turning the light off and like not wasting and sort of you know animal welfare and stuff as I've gotten older though, I think, you know, I think a lot of kids are like that though too, where you realize it goes beyond just like turning off the light when you leave the room. Um, and I was very, very like militant as a kid about littering and like, I got in trouble with my cousin because I, yeah, I was, I was like six or seven. I yelled at him because he left the water running when he was brushing his teeth and we got in like a huge fight about it. And I think he bit me (laughs) anyway. So quickly, yeah. yeah. And I remember I was very like that was you know, but I think that's again is like also like sort of the simplified child's point of view. Or in high school, even like I remember seeing people they would like throw stuff in the halls. I'm like, why? What are you doing? That would really irritate me. So I guess I had that. I don't know. And now it's just. It's grown, but to be yeah. fair, I honestly, I, people often ask me if they think I'm like a political artist and yeah. I don't actually think I am. I think that I just talk about things that are interesting to me or important to me. And um, I'm just trying to be myself. And I don't know if that, you know, and, and I honestly, actually doing the show actually really puts me out of my comfort zone. Um, and I'm like trying for something there. Um, you know, I don't feel like interviewing people is really hard as you know, and it takes like a skill set that I like, 
I haven't trained for, you know, and I recognize I have a platform. And so I'm like, why not try to use it? My partner, David Rizdahl really is kind of, I think he's like the producer of it. Like he, he like gets all the guests that he puts the whole thing together. Um, I want to say it was really kind of his brainchild and we like did it, you know, we made it happen together. Um, um, but I think it's also good. Like I, I also like, honestly, I feel like I've learned a lot through the show, which has been so cool things I didn't know or realize, or even sort of the hope in it. Like there are people that are engaging and doing things, um, uh, you know, in a, you know, to not focus just on the doom and gloom. Right. Uh, so yeah, I, I, um, but I don't know, maybe that does make me a political artist, but I've never had an interest in politics. I don't think that's my strong suit. Like I, <laughs> I'm not a good public speaker. I'm like, not, I, I'm very like, I feel very protective of my inner self. And like, I feel like to be, I don't know, you have to really put yourself out there. And so I, I guess I don't think of myself that way, but that maybe, maybe I, I am, I don't know. I do. I was going to say, I do think it's part of the, hopefully the prerequisites of just being a decent human in 2021 mm. is to just have some awareness and participation and not focus just, completely inwardly it doesn't need to yeah. require you know being out on the front lines every day there are different yeah. you know there are different ways to do it but I mean it's you know. but you know I would actually love to be more engaged in the front lines like I think I'm very um you know honestly like there's a lot of things that I'm interested in and like I've reached out to different organizations and like how can I help how can I do stuff sort of across the board and like women's rights reproductive rights and like in climate and stuff. And the response I get all the time is post about it. And I'm always like, oh, like, yeah, you're like, not what I want to do. Like, I want to, and you know, maybe this is just me needing to self-motivate more. Like, I want to go, I want to like be with people and like, I want to plant trees and I want to like, I don't know, I want to be more sort of physically active versus feeling like my power is just my Instagram account. I, I don't, I just... It just doesn't, I don't know. That just doesn't really calculate to me, but maybe it is that anyway, but that's what I like, I guess with the sea talks climate, I'm, I'm like probing that ele- element or, or, or that platform or that part of, I guess, yeah. where my responsibility is and, and, and trying to, you know, f- f- do, yeah, I guess do, do a difference I can make in that, in that way, I guess. Yeah, all I, I would know. say is don't, don't diminish what you're doing because unlike me, I think you've recorded everything you've ever done on <laughs> Instagram and I forgot to hit record on the brilliant first. For those that want to know about Zossi's amazing background and fascinating background, we'll save that for the next conversation uh, up <laughs> in New York and Germany. We've left some on the table for the next Didn't you get some on your voice memo thing yeah, though? Yeah, but they're just gonna they're just gonna hear my end talking to myself. Oh. I don't want to tell them that story. We want it in your own voice. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. It's good to save some for the next chat. Um, congratulations on the new film. The harder they fall Thank on you. Netflix. I appreciate it's, it. No, honestly, it's it's such a, a like a, a great piece of work in every respect. It's just like great movie making, great actors, a story worth telling. Um, 
two thumbs up from me. Um, and this has been great to chat today. Hopefully yeah. you didn't say I anything incriminating. No, I hope not. Ooh. Well, uh, I think my publicist is on here, so she'll let me know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, if you hear like a five minute gap in the conversation, guys, you'll know there was something amazing there. There was something really bad. <laughs> um, thanks again for the time and uh, I'll see you around New York, hopefully. One yeah, of thanks, Josh. And again, really nice talking to you. It's always really, honestly, a real pleasure. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. 